Welcome to Res Talk, your source for the latest insights, trends, news, and resources from leaders in the building performance and rating world. Here's your host, a committed building science enthusiast and registered professional engineer, and the podfather of energy efficiency, Bill Spohn. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Res Talk podcast. It's our goal here at Res Talk to communicate late breaking news and thoughtful insights into the broad array of topics in the rapidly expanding world of residential energy ratings to all the stakeholders in the ResNet ecosystem. So whether you're a housing consumer, rater, builder, realtor, or appraiser, you want to hear about the evolving trends in home energy ratings. To the ResNet community, we hear you and wish to engage. Climate change is becoming an increasing concern. The private sector, Individuals, as well as state, local, and federal governments are seeking to combat climate change by reducing greenhouse gas emissions. As the energy used in all buildings, including homes, is cited as a major contributor to greenhouse gas emissions, how do these entities get an accurate metric on emissions? Is there a way to use this info to address when energy is used in a home? As well as how much home energy consumption can be reduced? Philip Ferry, Deputy Director at the Florida Solar Energy Center, or FSEC, and David Goldstein, Energy Efficiency Advisor at the National Resources Defense Council, or NRDC, join us on the podcast to provide an update on the ResNet Carbon Index. The ResNet Carbon Index is the first of its kind carbon rating index which addresses the critical issue of greenhouse gas emissions stemming from energy used in a home. The index can be helpful with environmental, social, and governance, ESG reporting, as well as a basis for green bonds. The existing ResNet-HERS index already looks at patterns of energy use by the hour of the year, so it's a straightforward task to translate the energy profile into an emissions profile when you use the hourly CO2 equivalent emissions, those rates in electricity generation emission projections, as published by the National Renewable Energy Lab, or NREL. All joking aside, it's about time. David and Philip explain how this is a straightforward process to calculate the comparative emissions of two houses. For example, the emissions from a new house with or without efficiency and solar upgrades can be examined to see how much electrification and clean energy can help. Or one can compare a house as is with how it would look with a deep decarbonization retrofit. So it's a great planning tool. So let's listen in as Philip and David give us an update on the ResNet Carbon Index. I have two loquacious individuals here. <laughs> <laughs> that would be David Goldstein and Philip Ferry. Good afternoon, gentlemen. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, Bill. Thanks for joining us again. You're sort of regulars on the podcast because you have a lot of involvement with things important to ResNet and the ResNet community. And in this case, we'll be talking about an update on the ResNet Carbon Index. Hello, David. Can you please give us a little bit of background? Hi, everyone. My name is David Goldstein, and my paycheck is signed by NRDC, but I work as a board member of several organizations, not just ResNet, but also the Institute for Market Transformation and New Buildings Institute and the Consortium for Energy Efficiency. And all of my work is focused on improving energy efficiency globally in both senses of the word. Very good. And Philip, could you please introduce yourself? My name is Philip Ferry. I work for the FSEC Energy Research Center in Cocoa, Florida. 
I've been here for about 42 years. I'm a member of the board of directors of ResNet. I serve on their SDC 300 committee that creates and promulgates Standard 301. I'm also the director of the Standards Management Board for ResNet, and that's probably enough. That kind of sums it up. That's the very cool stuff, too. I'm going to turn first to David and then to Philip to fill in some background on where did this come from and why was it important to create? So first, David, please. Sure. The ResNet Home Energy Rating Index, the HERS Index, has been an important part of ResNet's offering since the organization was started. And it really dates back to a time where if you knew the energy consumption, the way the HERS index calculates it, you had a pretty good idea what the emissions of carbon and other pollutants were. You had a pretty good idea of what the costs both to society and to the home dweller would be. What we've seen in years, though, is the divergence of those metrics. We've seen that carbon emissions that affect the climate from energy consumption depend a lot on where you are and on what time of day you use it. And this makes sense. We've got lots of places in the country where there's plenty of solar and plenty of wind, when the wind's blowing and when the sun's shining, and it's all coming on at once. So the grid is very clean at those particular hours. But there are other hours of the day, typically after the sun goes down around 7 p.m., when the utility is a little stressed and is putting on all of the generation they can find, including their oldest and dirtiest units. So it becomes important if you're worried about carbon emissions to have some metric so that you can answer the question, if I do this with the building rather than that with the building, if I add more insulation, if I put in lower SHTC windows, how does that affect my carbon emissions? Even more important in the long term, if I put in a device that can allow me to select which hours it operates, I can choose to optimize my energy consumption for the clean times of the year. So ResNet decided a couple of years ago to develop this kind of a carbon index and did it in collaboration with the Department of Energy through their national lab, NREL. And the index now exists as an ANSI standard, and it's available to be used by any rater automatically as part of the software to any user, whether it's the homeowner or the renter or a jurisdiction that might enforce codes to see what the carbon impact of the house is. Very good. Philip, can you give us fill in the blanks from where David spoke about the history of the ResNet carbon index? Yeah, this index was helped along quite a bit by the work that's done by NREL in what's called the Cambium database. And the Cambium database is a way of looking at the projected generation and emission rates for utilities throughout the United States. And they've developed these databases based on 134 different areas within the country and then they've combined these areas into geographic regions that look very much like EPA's subregions for emissions. And the major difference is that these emission rates are looking into the future rather than looking at historical data. And that's quite different than EPA's database. 
And ResNet is, in fact, using a 25-year projection from 2025 to 2050 for how each of these geographic regions is going to emit carbon dioxide and other emission products that come from the development of electric generation. So methane is included and so is nitrous oxide. And both of those are included as they are in the IPCC standards, along with their global warming potential for a hundred year time frame. And as a result of that, we have what's called a CO2E index, where the E is stands for equivalent carbon dioxide because methane and nitrous oxide are included at their equivalent global warming potential over the 100-year time horizon. And so all of these data essentially come from the Cambium database for a specific set of criteria over a 25-year period. So basically what we're doing is we're looking at the consequential results of a set of decisions that are made about a building. And so basically, if you decide to do this, that, or the other with your building, what you get from the CO2 index is what we would call the consequential result of making that decision. And that's a little bit different than what you would call the attributional result, where you're only looking at how much carbon dioxide might be saved this year, because we know essentially that all the electrical generation facilities in the country, as David said, are going to change over time. And so the data are generated by NREL in the Cambium database as a function of what kind of scenario you're thinking about looking into the future with. And what ResNet decided to use is that scenario was the low-cost renewable energy scenario. So we're making a bet that renewable energy will become a greater and greater part of the electrical generation supply within the country. And that may be wind generation. It may be solar generation. There are some regions of the country that are projected to have enormous amounts of wind generation. And so that reduces what their electric generation may look like into the future. So this is what we've essentially done. The databases for use by ResNet are actually incorporated in a file that is available on the ResNet website. And those are exactly the emission characteristics that are supposed to be used for each hour of the year for the 20 different geographic regions in the country for which this calculation can be made. That's an intense amount of information. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> no, no, no. Well, some extent what you said, but just the amount of information they had to come together to do this. Yes. Do I understand correctly? It's not something that anyone actually doing the rating has to engage with, that it happens in the software. Can you talk about that? That is correct. It's completely transparent to raters, essentially, because it's all based on the energy use in the building. However, as we move forward, people are going to become more and more interested in reducing this CO2, the, I call it the HERS carbon index. So what's going to happen is people are going to become 
more interested in when they use energy as compared with when the generation energy generation grid is efficient and non-efficient with respect to emission criteria. And because all this emission criteria is available to basically anybody through the ResNet website, it can be studied by just about anybody that wants to study it and look at, okay, what are the times of year and times of day when I don't want to use electrical energy and when I do want to use electrical energy. And this kind of information can be used within battery storage devices and within thermal storage devices to decide when a building is going to choose to use, say, its battery storage that came from a PV system and when it's going to choose to use some other maybe thermal storage system. We have hot water systems now that are in the marketplace that heat up to 150 degrees during periods of time when energy is cheap and maybe clean, and then try to coast through times when energy is more expensive and maybe dirty. And so all of those things become more relevant with this new carbon index. So from a rater's point of view, they don't have to do anything different for a rating. However, there's a new index that comes out of the rating that they may want to explain to their customers, particularly in terms of suggesting things you can do to get a better carbon rating that won't necessarily give you a better HERS rating. In fact, in the case of storage that Phil was just describing, they may give you a slightly worse HERS index, but a much better carbon index. Interesting. Is there a training or a place to learn about that? When you said explain to your customers, that means the rater provider must learn these things themselves. Is there a training for this or resources? Right now, I don't think we have any formalized training for this because, as I said, it's not mandatory yet. But there's lots of organizations across the country that are quite interested in this, many of them utilities, but also governmental agencies and building contractors who are trying to basically improve what they're doing with respect to ESG situations where this is going to become increasingly important over time. And we have the resource material for the trainings. I have a couple of blogs on the subject. Philip presented a paper at ASHRAE in Athens, Greece, and Neil Cruz and I presented one at ACEEE. So all the technical information is out there in digestible form. It's just a question of translating it into a training session. Sure. Philip said something there a few minutes ago, which I want to explore a little bit about. You said buildings will choose when to use energy. That's very interesting. Can you explore that a little more? Building contractors are very interested in trying to utilize this because they can directly use it in what is called scope three within EPA's greenhouse gas emissions program. And so if they create buildings that reduce the amount of carbon that is produced significantly more than that would be otherwise reduced, then that gives them a better position for the scope three results from the EPA greenhouse gas program. And there are devices, actually, I think you started to mention that about devices that'll, you can program when to use energy at different times of day. I think that's a trend, right? smart devices? Yes, IoT is definitely a trend. And more and more 
things, for lack of a better term, are being created to take advantage of more and more opportunities. And this is just another opportunity that could stimulate the IoT industry to create new devices. The Nest thermostat is a great example, but to stimulate industry to create more devices that move in this direction. Very good. We talked about the history and the need. Is it something that evolves the database? Does that change? It's static right now because it's looking 25 years into the future. Okay. Now, that look into the future could change over time. In five years or so, maybe it changes enough so that that database deserves to change some. But for right now, the stance is that it's not going to change for quite a while. Because we want some stability to these ratings. If you got rated in 2024 and you wanted to compare it to a 2023 rating, if the measuring stick is different, that's going to get in the way. You mentioned an acronym there I wasn't familiar with. Maybe the listeners are IPCC. The International Panel on Climate Change. Okay. Who is responsible for basically determining and standardizing what is done with reporting requirements on a global basis. And then what happens is that there's a section of the United Nations called UNFCCC that is promulgating these standards on a global basis. And they have 167 or 68 countries that are signatories to this UN group. And What happens is things like the global warming potential for methane and nitrous oxide come to the fore, essentially, within all of these reporting requirements and what the global warming potential for those other gases that contribute to climate change, what kind of global warming potential they have. So I'll send this question David's way. Thank you, Philip, by the way. The actual database, it was mentioned, there's like 134 different regions. When you talk about the rating of a home in a region, it pulls something specific from that region? It it uses essentially 20 regions corresponding pretty closely to the E-grid regions from the EPA analysis. And it'll do this automatically because you can tell from zip code what region you're in. The reason this is important is that if your region has a big projected, call it wind resource, then it would make much more sense for you to electrify end uses than if you have a region that is not very renewable and not projected to change very much in the next few years. That's an interesting comment right there. The word, the choice to electrify might be influenced by this projection. That goes back to the whole purpose was to make decisions that impact the future because you're building an asset, a home, that will continue to be using energy for 25, 50, 75, 100 years, perhaps. Very interesting. So I guess the rater and the builder do need to know how to explain this. This is a very important factor, could factor into people's decisions. Broadly, the motivation is this, that the analysis of how do we meet our climate goal of 1.5 degrees Celsius is the maximum amount of warming we're going to experience. The analysis shows that efficiency is the number one tool to get there. 
And it shows that integrating renewables into the system so that when they're producing electricity, it can be used productively and efficiently is one of the other most important things. We need to get to net zero emissions, according to the International Energy Agency and our DOE, by 2050. And we need to get more than halfway there by 2030. So these are not long-term future problems. These are problems we've got to confront right now. So I think ResNet is really getting ahead of the ball by asking ratings to include information that lets you manage the transition to zero carbon with real numbers appropriate to individual homes where the decisions are being made. We're anticipating the rest of the world will follow along, but it's very helpful to have an example out there of a country that is starting to do it right in 2023, not 2028 when there's only two years left. That begs a question. Is ResNet slash the U.S. unique in this endeavor on the global scale? We might well be unique. At least we're very unusual because there are supposed mandates for net zero carbon in buildings in a number of countries around the world. But they suffer from a problem with the math, and that is they use annual average conversion factors. Think about this. If you have an energy use at zero, it doesn't matter what your conversion factor is, your calculated carbon will be also zero. But we know this isn't the case. We know that you can have net zero energy by producing a lot of solar when it's not all that helpful, and then consuming a lot of energy in the evening when it's really damaging. So net zero carbon is a more difficult goal than net zero energy. But if you don't calculate them differently, you're going to get the wrong answer. In that sense, I think we are in the U.S. and Canada, well, I guess just the U.S. because Canada doesn't have the data set yet. We're doing it right. And maybe one or two other countries are getting it right. And maybe none is. I'll direct this question to Philip. Are there other similar programs or projects going on in different states in the U.S. of this like? I'm not sure I understand the question, but basically... ResNet is operating on pretty much a national basis, and so it is an ANSI standard, an American national standard that has been properly promulgated. And so it is the current national standard for how residential carbon indexes should be calculated. In the time of day use, that's a big factor into all this? Yes, absolutely. Because basically, all of the ResNet software is now required to be hourly software calculations. Hourly energy use calculations are required to be done by all the software. And so that hourly energy use calculation can be applied against these hourly emission rates that are provided within the emission rate database. And so you can basically sum the carbon emissions up over the whole year where they were all, each one at every hour, was tied to that hour of the year and that particular geographic region of the country. There's just a lot of variation. The difference in California, and this is old data, this isn't even a 25-year future projection, the dirty hours of the year were five times dirtier than the clean hours of the year. That's just going to get even more exaggerated in the future as we build out more renewables. Yeah, so time of use is very important. Is there anything going on in California that sometimes they get a head start on things? 
We're doing this in harmonization with California, which has been a ResNet goal for a number of years, and we're succeeding fully on this. So we're doing stuff that they're doing. They're planning on doing stuff that we've done. California legally can't look at emissions directly, but they can look at source energy because they've been doing it for 50 years. And in California, the difference between emissions and source energy is almost non-existent because the marginal source is always natural gas. So in that sense, we are very consistent with what California currently enforces for their Title 24 building code. Got it. In talking about enforcement and implementation, is this currently a mandatory part? And how does it affect the registry? Is it this is part of the ResNet registry for homes, this data information? It can be. It is reportable to the registry. The CO2E index is reportable to the registry, but it's not mandatory at this time. Okay. But it will become mandatory when the 2022 standard becomes mandatory. We anticipate that that will be sometime this year. Okay. The other form of mandatory, is it in any code or standard? And the answer to that is Philip has submitted a proposal to ASHRAE 90.2 to require maximum values of CO2 rating index in order to comply with the standard. Uh, And that should be out for public review shortly. Both of you are attending the ASHRAE winter meeting, which is just in a few weeks from the time of this recording. That's where that topic will be brought up? We are both members of 90.2, ASHRAE Standard Committee 90.2. David's the current chair of the 90.2 Standards Committee. I'm a past chair of the 90.2 Standards Committee, and we've been working towards this goal for quite a while. Just for listeners that may not be familiar, what's the title of that standard and the reason for existence or its mission? And maybe David, the current chair, can (laughs) give me that. The title's just been changed to something like Energy Design for High-Performance Residential Buildings. Note it does not say low-rise. It harmonizes with ResNet Standard 301 to cover all residential buildings. And it also refers to greenhouse gas emissions. So the idea that we could have a standard that isn't directly energy is already within the revised scope of the standard. The goal of this standard historically, since when Philip became chair, is to create a leadership standard for jurisdictions or companies that want to go beyond the national minimum code. And that continues to be the case. The committee's very enthusiastic and so is ASHRAE structure about offering a higher tier of energy and greenhouse gas performance than other standards that are out there. A couple of other interesting things about the standard is that it actually uses the calculations of ResNet Standard 301 to determine compliance with the standard. And so you actually have to achieve certain HERS indexes or energy rating indexes that are quite low in order to comply with the standard. One other thing that's of some interest is that those particular values that comply with the 90.2 standard are also the ERI values that are required by the IECC 2021 code for zero energy building compliance. Got it. I'd like to see you guys sketch this out. (laughs) All the tendrils on this. (laughs) 
<laughs> you're laughing, it kind of means you don't want to. No. It's a very complex but not complicated system. And it's a great honor to speak with the two of you who really devoted so much time in your lives to this topic. Can I ask you to leave? We'll first go, Philip, then David, give a closing thought to the listeners with regard to the ResNet Carbon Index. This Philip. I think it's a fairly important and innovative mechanism that has been introduced within ResNet's calculation structure that is going to be increasingly important over time and is going to lead industry to develop more and better products that focus on greenhouse gas emission reduction. Very good. Thank you. And David? Over the past five years, I've been very pleasantly, very surprised to see the interest that has grown in doing something about greenhouse gas emissions. As the years go by, I think this is going to be a really important ResNet product because people will care, investors will care, governments will care, and private companies will care about how good the greenhouse gas performance of a residential building is, both in terms of inspiring efficient new construction and in terms of retrofitting for lower carbon impact. I want to emphasize the global leadership that this puts ResNet and the United States into. I've been working on a standard from ISO that was just issued, ISO 50010, on net zero. And this becomes one of the first methods, and it's actually cited in the ISO standard, for saying, and this is how you do it. Here's what you should do to demonstrate net zero carbon, and here's an example of how you should do it in the ANSI ResNet standard. Excellent. Thank you, General, for joining us here today in the Res Talk podcast. There's also a past episode, episode 107, where John Taylor and David speak about the basics of this. So you could dig more into that and bounce on over to that topic, that podcast, episode 107. Thank you again. And we appreciate you coming on the podcast to share with us the important topic. Thank you, Bill. Thanks. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Res Talk podcast, where we learn from Philip Ferry and David Goldstein about some of the updates on the ResNet Carbon Index. If you're a pro in the building market, surf on over to resnet.us forward slash professional to learn more or join the email list. If you're interested in feeding back to ResNet on what you heard here today, or would like to hear a new topic covered or just have a general question, please drop an email to info at resnet.us. A quote for today related to the topic from Simon Sinek, the big picture doesn't just come from distance, it also comes from time. If you've not subscribed to the podcast, please consider doing so. And as always, thank you for listening to Res Talk. Until next time. Thanks for listening to the Res Talk podcast. This podcast is hosted by Bill Spone, produced by William P. Spone, LLC, and is a production of ResNet, the Residential Energy Services Network. The best way to listen to this podcast is to subscribe on an iPhone using the podcast app or on an Android device by downloading the Stitcher app and searching for ResTalk. We would appreciate a review on iTunes or on the podcast app. This will help others find the show. We look forward to talking again soon on ResTalk.